Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. I don't know if this is the first episode you've ever listened to or you've been here for more than 360 shows, but for almost four years now, I have had the absolute honor and privilege to interview a variety of people who do amazing things as entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, people who work inside companies and just have that intrapreneurial spirit. And what I've found is that with every conversation, there's always a nugget of inspiration. There's always an idea or a concept that myself and all of you who listen can grab onto and just make this journey of entrepreneurship a little bit easier because there's people who've done it uh, ahead of you and maybe done it a little different, but you can still take their idea and tweak it. And today, today's guest is no different. So today's guest is Arlene Battisill. And her last name sounds like badass, if you ask me. And I've met her, and that's exactly what she is. She She's a person who gets things done. So I only met her recently, and she said, yeah, I'm going to write three books. And she has <laughs> sat down and punched like two of them out in like an hour and a half is what it seems like. And she's working on the third one as we speak. So she's a person who gets an idea under her bonnet and just runs with it and with that is able to create things. And that's what entrepreneurship's all about. It's all about creating. So Arlene, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Oh, Tom, thank you so much. And what what a magnificent introduction. I was just sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking I I was forgetting that I was the guest on the show because I was just getting my coffee and settling in and getting ready to listen to you for the next however long we're on the air. So <laughs> well, well, trust me, the people who know me will tell you I could just talk for 30 minutes, but it's gonna <laughs> But it's going to be a lot more interesting to find find out about you. Now, what what you do is you help people turn their pain into power, and you help them take their struggles and make it a success. Now, yeah. that sounds great, but what does that really mean? Arlene, what do you do? Well, I am, <laughs> I don't know if I would say affectionately referred to as this, but I'm called the business dominatrix. And what that, I mean, all right, I have I have people. visions. You're wearing like a track suit. I can see you because we're doing this on video. Of course, this is just audio for everybody else. But you're wearing a track suit. That's not really what comes to mind when you say dominatrix. I would have I would have pictured an entirely different outfit. Yeah, that that is typically what happens because, you know, there are all the sexual connotations. Well, not even connotations <laughs> that are overt. Uh, when you talk about a dominatrix, but what I do as a business dominatrix, and it, it's the most efficient way uh, of getting at what I do. And basically what I, um, what I do in my work now uh, is I work with entrepreneurs, small business owners, people who, um, and we're not talking about people who are in the startup phase where they just have an idea. We're talking about people who have what it takes to go out there and make shit happen, but they they run into something in their life that is actually, you know, so painful for them that they can't move forward. It is actually preventing them from moving forward. And to be quite honest and transparent, I have actually worked as a real dominatrix in a dungeon with whips and all that kind of thing. And there's a lot that I learned from that experience. But as an entrepreneur myself, and what I have gone through over the past 10 years of um, being in a uh, consumer products 
business, which is something else that I do, uh, I have encountered a lot of uh, people who have become my clients who have really run into something in their life that they just simply can't get past. And what I do with them is we begin unpacking their life and looking at what it is that's going on for them, what is interfering with their ability to move forward and to be quite blunt about it. It usually has something to do with trauma. Hmm. And this is something that I get into. Um, One of the things that people say about working with me is, that within the first conversation, they know that they can trust that I'm going to take them where they need to go. And I'm not going to leave them when I get them to the point that they need to get moving again. I get them moving, but I stay with them until I'm confident they can take the training wheels off. Because once you start dealing with any type of trauma, that could be sexual trauma, it could be violence, it could be the neglect of parents, it doesn't matter what it is, it has such far reaching effects. And it's particularly acute for entrepreneurs because we accept so much uncertainty and risk in our lives that you throw any type of trauma or catastrophic event into a person's life and they're going to be destabilized in ways that are going to derail them. And what I do with people is basically get them back on the rails again and keep them steady take the training wheels off, and then send them on into their future where they can have the success that they really want. Wow. I mean, that. I mean, if you think about it, so many of us deal with different types of trauma. I mean, some of Absolutely. it's as serious as you mentioned. Some of it's smaller. Some of us just get the anxiety because we have a bad quarter. Uh, yeah, we're not meeting absolutely. our numbers and, and we yeah. get caught up in our heads and whether we even consciously or subconsciously know that we're doing it, sometimes you need someone else to sort of, you know, whack you upside the head, so to speak, not that with, is, not that with is whips, exactly- but, you know metaphorically, and help you kind of get through to that next level. Yes, absolutely. And and the device that was most helpful to me and has been most helpful to me throughout my life is always staying in a place of asking myself, what's your next move? What's your next move? In fact, that's the name of my podcast, What's Your Next Move? Because if you can keep yourself Uh, If you can keep your emotions at bay and you can keep the bully in your brain, which is that constant chatter that goes on in your head, in all of our heads about that causes that self-doubt, that causes us to question what we're doing, that causes us to feel like, you know, maybe we're not good enough or or we just become very uncertain and unstable at that point. Um, that if you can stay in a place where you're just constantly looking at your situation and saying to yourself, what's my next move? What's my next move? You actually are able to stay in your power and stay in control regardless of the situation that you're in. Because when you think about what's your next move, it means you're active. It means you've got control over what you do next. It's about you making decisions. It's about you doing whatever has to happen to move forward. And I have had situations where I've had clients who were literally hysterical on the phone with me. And I, I actually had to scream at them to tell them to shut the fuck up because (laughs) they were so out of control because they were so afraid in those moments. And, you know, you joke about that. You you just got to slap people around, but I spend a lot of time, um, you know, slapping people around to get them back into their bodies again because they're so afraid or and and it happens when we're dealing with a bad quarter or a series of bad quarters and and i i launched my um uh consumer products business at the height of the recession and it was all downhill from there and so i am intimately familiar with bad quarters i lived 
I went for seven years in that business without having a paycheck. So trust me when I tell you, I know what bad quarters are all about and what you have to do to stay the course, to keep yourself on the rails. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with just being really hard with yourself. You know, it's not like tough love. It's just about understanding that you're you're living in a shitstorm in that moment and you have to find a way to get a hold of yourself so that you can make the decisions that you need to make and move forward. So I want to back up a little bit because you, you you dropped a little piece of personal information and then just skimmed right by it. And on this show, sure. I rarely let people go go through that. You said that <laughs> you actually worked in a dungeon with whips and chains as a mm-hmm. dominatrix. And yeah. A, I want to ask a little bit about that. But B, so I'm about as, you know, if you, if you know me, I mean, my nickname in college was Richie Cunningham, if you're old enough to remember <laughs> Happy Days. I'm about as square of a guy as you're going to probably run into in a lot of areas. And yet you're not the first dominatrix I've ever met. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to have to clarify that or people's imaginations are going to run away. Yeah. I was at South by Southwest about five years ago and I met a woman. She found out I was a professional speaker and she said that was really the dream for her career. But she was told by many that she would never be able to do it because corporate and associations would never hire her because of her past. Right. And so I asked and, and what she was currently doing at the time. And I said, well, what do you do? And she looked me right in the face as if she was going to say kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm a professional dominatrix. Mm -hmm. And apparently I didn't like react and go, ah. And so we had a long (laughs) conversation about it. And then we, we talked about you know, the, the business of speaking. And I, I told her about the National Speakers Association. I said, there's mm-hmm. some people who won't welcome you with, with open arms, but there are other people who will, who will show you different ways that you could, you know, package your past and actually right. be able to use that to teach business people where they wouldn't go running away if they were, you know, too conservative. And so anyway, she took me to heart. She looked up the National Speakers Association and that following summer, I didn't keep in touch mm-hmm. with her, but that mm-hmm. following summer, she shows up at this event with like 2,000 speakers and she's very outgoing and she's fun and she's in the bar and people say, oh, what do you do? And she goes, well, I'm trying to become a a speaker, but I'm a professional dominatrix. So of course, everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, who doesn't scream and run leans in and they're like, (laughs) people are like, so how did you find this association? (laughs) And, And her answer was Tom Singer. And I can't tell you the next day how many people were pulling me aside in the hallways going, so how is it? How is it that you know a professional dominatrix? <laughs> so, uh, but going back to that, you know, you made a comment that you learned some stuff from that. Yeah. And then you went into talking about what you do, how you have to sort of keep people going and then not leave them when you get to whatever that yeah. spot mm-hmm. is. I think there's a correlation there that we shouldn't just let go, even though I yeah. got a family friendly show. What did you learn there and how does it apply to business and why, if somebody is a little more conservative who might go, ah, they should still listen to what Arlene has to say. Right. Well, I, I think that, yes, there, there is the stereotype that people have about the dominatrix wearing the leather and the stiletto heels and the long flowing hair and hardly any clothes on. And, and that's fiction. It, I mean, yes, of course, there are people who do that, but that is, um, that is the kind of dominatrix who a lot of men will seek out because they are trying to get some sexual pleasure out of that. And, you know, they want to give up. And and many times these are very successful, very powerful men who will seek out that stereotype of a dominatrix where they can give over control in the moment to someone else because they live lives that are filled with so much pressure. They have to make so many decisions 
and you know they've got their home life and everything and they're just looking for a release they're looking for an outlet they're not looking for a relationship they're not looking to have an affair they're just looking for a place where they can take all of the stress of their life and put it somewhere else like putting it on the shelf for a little while and they basically give over control to the dominatrix who regardless of the type of dominatrix you are one of the things you do is you have to really understand who you're working with what their needs are know when you can push them and how to push them and when you have to take the pressure off and the work that I've done with people, um, yes, of course, it, it will involve administering some level of pain, but it's not like this thing where you're whipping the shit out of somebody. <laughs> it is about strategically applying pressure, building the anticipation of when that when that next whip is going to strike the skin. Um, and, and this is not about bludgeoning people and marking them for life. That's not it at all. It is about a dynamic that takes place between someone who is, quite frankly, in my experience, trying to work through something. And sometimes the only way they can get at it is to feel some physical sensation. And it is not unlike what people do when they're running. They push themselves to the limits physically. And with the dominatrix, there are people who will will only be able to reach a certain um, way of exhaling, if you will, um, through the application of a certain type of sting, if you will. Hmm. And what I found in my experience is that my, my biggest area of expertise when it comes to being a dominatrix is being able to really read and understand people very, very quickly and get at what is going on for them and what do we need to do to be able to release them from whatever it is that's holding them back and moving them forward? And, you know, one of the things that happens when you apply pain, um, and again, I don't mean this in an aggressive, you know, stupid way, the way people think about this, when you apply pain, even um, sparingly, uh, there is a release that comes from it when, when that pain ends. And a lot of times people will end up crying, but they're not crying from the physical pain. They're crying from the emotional pain that they have been holding for so long in their lives. And when I talk about applying pressure and, and easing up on that pressure, it's knowing how far you can push someone emotionally uh, when they're in a place like that to where you can get them to release. That's the goal here is just getting them to release. And then what has to happen after that is if you take a, a person to a place where they finally release emotionally, they're in, uh, they are probably in the most vulnerable state they've ever been because they've now allowed someone to see them in that way, to be with them in that way. And it's not like you're being mummy to them or daddy to them. It is more that you are standing in battle with them. You are standing right next to them. You are enabling them to go forward because they believe that you believe in them and you stay with them until they come out of that place of deep vulnerability and they feel their power again. Isn't this hard for some entrepreneurs though? Because so many of us, you know, we don't want to ever show like I'm, I'm really transparent. If I have a bad quarter, I tell all my friends and they're like, oh, nobody ever talks about that. You know, you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't shouldn't tell people you're struggling. And I've just always yeah. kind of been like, you know, hey, my business is doing great. Oh, this year it's not doing as well. But a lot of people believe that they sort of have to fake it till they make it. So they put on that mm -hmm. face 
everywhere they go, like everything's fabulous. Uh, isn't it hard for people in, in that entrepreneurial world to let go? Well, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, you have to appear successful at all times. You can't, I mean, when you consider the number of really successful people who deal with self-doubt, who feel like, you know, they suffer from the imposter syndrome, their inner critic is just chattering away at them all the time. They never actually feel as successful as everyone else in the world sees them. And one of the things that happens in, in the work that I do with people is that I give them a place where there's no judgment, they are completely safe, and they can say and feel and express whatever it is that's going on for them, because this isn't about, about um, therapy, this is entirely about strategy, and how you take where you're at right now, and the depth of that vulnerability and pain that you feel, and move through it so that you can get moving again. And, you know, a lot of times what happens is people will hire business coaches because they're, you know, working through a particular problem in their business. And with time, those conversations develop where they start talking about, you know, their fear and about the worry that they have that if, if the business doesn't succeed, how are they going to support their families? Everything is all based in fear and the fear of losing something or the fear of not being able to deliver. And you're on the hook for everybody in your life. And you're, you've got all that risk. You've got all the skin in the game. And what I know is that if you don't have a place where you can release some of that, where you can give it to someone else to hold for you for just a little while, you will go off the rails eventually. There's no two ways about it because you cannot hold that level of stress and pressure inside for an extended period of time. And the point at which people come to me is when they really have gone off the rails because they actually need somebody who is going to speak to them and handle them in a way that sort of jars them back into reality again. But, you know, people generally do not disclose that this is the situation they're in. They usually will seek out a coach under some pretense of what they need. But what they're really trying to get at is this thing that has probably been nagging them their entire life, where they've been questioning themselves. And, and the amazing thing is, is, especially for entrepreneurs, that we can be going through life carrying all of this stuff all of what we carry with us um, from the point that we come into the world on into our adulthood, all of the experiences that we carry with us, the fact that we are able to go out and be entrepreneurs and accept that level of risk and keep doing it every single day, there are no more extraordinary people in the world than entrepreneurs. So what is it that you love about this lifestyle that you've created of being an entrepreneur who helps people in this way? What do you love about it? <coughs> well... I have to tell you, there's nothing more gratifying than taking somebody from a place where they're suffering. They truly are suffering to a place where they are feeling like it's light again, and you bring them out of the dark. There, I mean, there is nothing more powerful and more meaningful to me than that. And and I do this one-on-one -on -one and, and I will do public speaking, but you know, it's hard to do public speaking around being a dominatrix because what happens happens between you and that person. And I invest myself heavily in that person and their process, which it, it it's very taxing for me emotionally because they have to know I'm right in there with them emotionally, but that I am the one that is leading the way here. I'm the one who's going out in front of them in battle and they're going to follow right behind me. 
because I know what I'm doing. I know where they need to go and I'm going to get them there and they believe it. And that's actually what happens. So when you see people come into a place where they can now have relationships that are really productive, where they've got really good communication, where they're being successful in their business, where they're not questioning themselves anymore, where they're not fearful all the time of what's going to happen to them if they have a bad quarter or if a shipment doesn't arrive on time or all the things that happen or if, you know, their key people, you know, give notice and they're leaving and what are they going to do? And it just turns into a shitstorm for them where they can actually literally move through life with the approach of it doesn't matter what's happening. I just need to figure out what's my next move. So I talk a lot when I go in and work with like sales teams and other small groups, I talk about what I call the paradox of potential because a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of salespeople, a lot of people in general, they get really excited because they know that they have all this potential, but then potential doesn't equal results. So a lot of people don't make it across that gap from potential Mm -hmm. to results. What do you think is sort of the, the magic bullet of why some people achieve more than others when they had the same amount of potential to start with? Well, I think that a lot of it has to do with perseverance and perspective and your willingness to stay at something. I mean, if you have reason to believe that you can be successful at something, then it just becomes a matter of time and your willingness to gut it out and do whatever you have to do to get to the end zone. Um, Because some people get really lucky and they get successful very quickly. Um, Other people will spend years gutting it out. Uh, just trying to get where they're trying to go. And I don't think it's any more than that because, you know, I don't think anyone is any smarter than anyone else. I don't think anyone is any more capable than anyone else. I think the difference, the main difference between people is the extent to which they believe in what they're doing and that they will not give up regardless of what's happening. Well, and I always say that I I only know one thing to be sure, and that is 100% of the people who quit don't make it. So, you know. Amen to that, brother. Not, not everybody who keeps trying will make it, but everybody who quits <laughs> won't make it. So, That's hey, for sure. Arlene, I've got a couple more questions for you. But sure first, enough. I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Arlene. Hey, (laughs) if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Arlene, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? (laughs) Um, Well, let me shift out of being the business dominatrix and uh, talk a little bit about my consumer products company, and it's called GoGo Gear, and we design and manufacture protective clothing for motorcycle uh, and scooter riders. And the coolest thing that I'm doing right now is I am working on a brand new product for my company that uh, is a protective jacket that actually has brake lights and directional signals on the back of the jacket. So since I'm in the safety business, which is kind of funny, I'm in the safety business with my consumer products company, and I'm in the safety business uh, being a business dominatrix. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that product. I, um, about three years ago, invented a product that became a million dollar product, and I fully expect that this jacket is going to be the same. 
uh, I'm hoping to have that uh, out um, probably by the fall. Does it talk to the motorcycle by like Bluetooth or something? How does it know what's going on as far as directional turn indicators and things like that? Or is that uh, there trade will secret? Be, there will, no, it's not a trade secret. Uh, this is just the way um, motorcycles work where we, you know, for anyone who rides in cold weather conditions, we will have heated uh, jackets, heated liners, heated pants, socks, gloves, whatever. And there are there's wiring in the garment itself that connects into a cable that goes into the battery of the bike. Nice. So it's the same thing. You know, when you turn your directional signals on on the bike, there is the wiring from the jacket that goes into the battery. And so it all operates the same way. So if anybody knows anybody who rides scooters or motorcycles, you got to check out GoGo Gear. How do they find yeah. GoGo Gear? GoGoGearLA.com because we're based in Los Angeles. So GoGoGearLA.com. And that was a company that I was actually on the TV show Shark Tank. Ah. Uh, so a <laughs> funny little history there. <laughs> Nice. Well, my, my dream would be to have Barbara Corcoran be a, be a guest on this show, but that's a hard dream to fulfill, but I'm working on yeah, it. Yeah. Hey, hey um, so have you always lived in Los Angeles? No, I, I'm originally from Detroit, but I spent many years living in, in different places based on the different corporate jobs that I had and I would relocate, but I've been in Los Angeles for almost 30 years now, so it's definitely my home. Yeah, no, well, I, I bring that up because that's where I grew up, even though I live in Texas. I, I'm, oh, I'm, gotcha. I'm an Angelino. I was born in Los Angeles County. Oh, so. beautiful. Love it. <laughs> so uh, the, the couple of questions I ask everybody who comes on the show, and I just love to hear their answers. It's like one of my favorite parts because we could talk about you, Arlene, and everything you've done and everything you're doing all day long. However, I really believe that great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love mm -hmm. to ask the people who come on this show, who do you see out there in the entrepreneurosphere who you think, wow, he or she, boy, they're doing cool things. Well, <laughs> I would have to say that um, this would be something on a very personal front uh, because um, my partner uh, happens to run a foundation that is um, raising money on behalf of uh, grandmothers in sub-Saharan Africa who are raising a generation of children who have been orphaned by HIV and AIDS. And what I've seen her do in taking that foundation, she previously worked for the United Nations in New York and went and started this foundation with her father, uh, where out of her experience working with women's and children's uh, rights issues in sub-Saharan Africa and all over the world, she and her father created this foundation where they decided somebody has to do something about this because there are these 70 and 80-year-old women who are raising uh, millions of children who've been left orphaned. And to see what she's done in terms of the money that she's raised and what she's doing now is creating an entire campaign of grandmothers in the United States after building one of 10,000 grandmothers in Canada. Uh, and now internationally, she's bringing that campaign, the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign to the United States. And um, she started a, a podcast recently called Grandmothers on the Move uh, to give voice to the amazing things that grandmothers are doing um, because it's a population that no one ever talks about. And so, you know, She's somebody that I really look at as, wow, the epitome of what makes for a great entrepreneur, where they look at something out in the world that where there is a real need and somebody needs to step in and step up. And that's exactly what she's done. So I, I'm really proud of everything that she's done. And uh, I follow a lot of what she does in terms of how she runs her foundation, how she goes out into the world. 
um, and and just makes shit happen. So my my big you know idols when it comes to entrepreneurs out in the world are not the famous people that get all the press coverage. They are the people uh, that are just in the trenches every single day who have just decided there was a need and then chose to do something about it. And so those are the people that I look look up to the most. And there that is the majority of people out there. There are people doing all kinds of things out there that are truly magnificent that no one ever knows about. They never get the support. They never get the funding. And yet they are still in there like a dog with an old leather shoe. They're not giving up. So that's what floats my boat. Well, and you bring up an interesting point that we live in a sort of a celebrity focused culture. Yeah, and we get absolutely. very excited if your last name is Kardashian or mm-hmm. Musk or, you know, Jobs or, or whatever. And yeah. the reality is there's so many people who we can learn from who aren't famous. And that's why mm-hmm. I do this show, because we learn from people like you all oh, the time beautiful. who, who yeah. aren't household names but are doing really, really cool things out there. So yeah, that's a great sure. segue to my last question. And that is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs, I think we, we have to find a way to leave a mark more than just making money. Well, what I have been doing most recently is because I have, when I created my company, GoGo Gear, uh, I launched at the height of the recession. And the first year I was in business, I had um, probably a couple of hundred stores that I was selling to in the first year. So I had a great first year. And then the entire industry collapsed because we lost all of the financing for new new motorcycles and scooters. And the best time to buy protective clothing is when somebody buys a new bike. And we lost all of the financing. And out of the 18,000 stores, the retail stores that existed in that industry, within one year, we lost 10,000 of them. And of the 8,000 that were left, they absorbed all the remaining inventory Uh, for pennies on a dollar. And so we basically lost our entire network of uh, stores to sell our products retail. And so we had to go straight to the internet and start selling there. And this was before Amazon became Amazon. Um, And there was just, I mean, doing e-commerce with physical products at that time was really hard to do. So how do you make people aware that you're there? And so over Over the time that I was building that company, I created a whole book of business for myself consulting on how you sell online. And I became expert at using Facebook for advertising. And so what I'm doing right now in terms of giving back is I am helping my partner uh, build this uh, campaign in the United States by using Facebook ads to bring awareness to this campaign and it's all for the purpose of fundraising. So what took her 12 years to put 10,000 grandmothers together and raise $100 million in Canada, uh, I'm hoping that she's going to be able to do within the next couple of years. And and my part of that is doing all of the lead generation and um, the, the uh, tr- driving traffic using Facebook ads and other things and landing pages and all that sort of thing where, you know, my contribution is on the technical infrastructure end of things while hers is on the front end of, um, you know, making things happen and bringing awareness in all of her channels. Uh, and I bring awareness through my channels because it's what I became expert at because I didn't have a choice. I needed to figure out how to sell uh, when I compl- when I lost my entire network of sellers. 
I trust me. I, I I think that's that's awesome. And when you described her cause, I was nodding the whole time because I think she's doing amazing things. And yeah, for sure. We, we need to find ways to help people all over the world because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know I think if we can make the world a better place, we take care of a lot of our own problems here at home. We take care of a lot of the terrorism problems and other things that we yeah, have. We have absolutely. to give, we have to give people hope, and I think that's what she's doing. Oh, absolutely. And when you're in any situation in any country where there's extreme poverty, you know. When you can introduce ways for people to create income generating opportunities, um, everything changes for everybody. And at the end of the day, my feeling as an entrepreneur, um, you know, uh, just as an aside, you know, I I live my values. And one of them is that I, I would make significantly more money in my clothing business if I sold protective clothing that's made of leather. But I'm vegetarian, borderline vegan, and I could never justify making a product that involved animal products. And, you know, I'm not one of these crazy people who's going to beat people over the head if they're eating a steak in front of me. That's not how I feel. It's just <laughs> that, you know, for me, it's it's about staying as close to our humanity as possible. And my feeling is, is that, you know, you go and you, as an entrepreneur, if you have the means to do it in terms of time or money, what you do with your time and money is you invest it in places where it's going to make the most difference. You just don't, you know, there, there can be a flood somewhere in the U.S. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to throw all my money at the Red Cross. No, my feeling is there's plenty of money already at the Red Cross. Let me take my money and take it to a place where $50 is going to make a difference for an entire year for somebody. Well, that's and why so, I'm a big fan of Kiva. I think it's amazing, you know, what Kiva has done with just $50 loans. And I keep... You know, I keep lending the fifty dollars, and it keeps coming back. And I keep lending the fifty dollars. Yeah. And gotcha. in fact, now that we mention that, I have to go do that again. I just got the email that it's been repaid. <laughs> go spend that money. <laughs> go, go, give it to somebody else. But you know, I, I I had a cab driver the other day, and and he was from I forget which country, but he came from the Middle East, and mm-hmm. he said that, and he was Muslim, and he said he loved America and everything about America. And I said, well, you know, that's really good to hear. And he said, well, he goes, one of the reasons is he grew up in a such bad situation, and there were American charities who came over and helped him. And he said that, you know, he can't understand that, you know, why people wouldn't have positive feelings because all he had experienced as a child was the helping hands that came. And my bells started going off in my head that that's, you know, that's very important that we continue to reach out to the third world and, and other areas because, you know, it just takes a few people like him to have a positive experience to maybe be able to, uh, undermine some of the negative experiences. So cheers to what she's doing. Yeah, for sure. And again, it's all about our humanity. And my feeling is, is that if I'm going to go through life and have the best life I can have, I want to know that I have done everything that I could to make a difference in the world. And I can make a difference in people's lives in terms of their business and everything. But at the end of the day, what I do in leaving a mark somewhere, even if it's the $50 here or you know, running a Facebook ad to make people aware of something, that means more to me than anything else because I know how much of a difference that makes and what could make you feel any better than that. Well, Arlene, I started off and said you're a badass and I think that has been proven <laughs> I think that has been proven true throughout this interview. So if somebody's listening and they ha- they say I have to know more about this business dominatrix, how does somebody find Arlene? <laughs> Well, you can find me on my website at arlenebattisil.com. That's A-R-L-E-N-E-B 
B-A-T-T-I-S-H-I-L-L.com. You can find me on Facebook at uh, The Business Dominatrix. That's my Facebook page. Uh, I'm also on Instagram as The Business Dominatrix. And uh, I think on my personal Facebook account, uh, you can find me where it says Arlene Badass Badass. Ah, (laughs) see, I didn't make that up. I heard that somewhere. See, I knew that. I knew that. Hey, Arlene, thank you once again for being a guest here on the show. It was a delightful interview, and I know that you brought a lot of powerful tidbits and ideas to people where it's going to have an impact on at least one person uh, who listened and probably everyone who tuned into this episode. So once again, thank you very much for being with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. And I say it every episode, thank you to those of you who tuned in. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. If you like the show, jump over and subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Get everyone in the office. Walk around and say, take out your iPhones. Subscribe to cool things entrepreneurs do. Because the more subscriptions there are, the more chances it ranks, the more chances then that people will discover the show. You also can leave a review right there on iTunes or anywhere that you subscribe to the show. If you're not an iTunes user, you can get it via Stitcher. You can get it via Spotify. Uh, we're even on uh, YouTube. There's all kinds of places you can find this show. And then uh, you can find me at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. I'm Tom Singer on all of the social medias. And on Twitter, there's even at Cool Podcast. So uh, reach out and let me know what you liked about this show or reach out directly to Arlene. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Arlene. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.